we're going to continue in our series on today, The Power of the Kingdom in the Church. Uh, just to do a quick review from last night, we uh, covered, pretty. I tried to cover God's idea, what God's idea was, a plan for the earth. Uh, his plan was to make a replication or uh, a duplicate of heaven upon the earth. So he created earth so that it would look like heaven. Amen. So, heaven, so earth is supposed to resemble heaven. Amen. Amen. So the praise and worship that goes on in heaven ought to be going on down here on earth. Amen. Uh, the plenty streets are paved with gold. The, the, you know, the Bible says store up your treasures uh, on, in heaven and not on earth where the, where the moth can't get to them. All that is supposed to be taking place here on earth. And what God has made us, God has made us uh, the landlord, so to speak, uh, of the earth. He gave Adam the authority uh, over the earth. Amen. Um, and he is supposed to uh, use and exert that authority over every living creature uh, that God had created. Amen. Uh, and we talked about how Satan was an angel, a fallen angel at that. And we know that we were laid, made a little lower than the angels. But because God showed off and showed how wonderful and mighty he was, he made a being that was lower than angels, which is us, and empowered us to have power over the thing that was stronger than us. Amen. So we're able to use our dominion, amen, uh, on the enemy so that the, anything that the devil tries to do on this earth can't be done, amen, uh, when the people of God get together and come against it. That's why the word of God says resist the devil and he will flee. Also, a uh, great point, I, I thought it was a great point last night that I made is that, um, I mean, you know, I didn't mean it like that, but, you know, yeah, that's right, we're going to laugh a little bit too, amen, <laughs> uh, is that, um, is that, you know, when, when, in it, when the enemy comes on our turf, we win. Amen. And, and what I mean by that is that we have to be very careful is that we don't fight the devil. The devil, uh, we weren't called to fight the devil. Amen. I know we, you know, hear that a lot of times, swing on them and do all this, kick them and all that. No, no, no. No, we're not supposed to do that. Amen. Uh, we're supposed to uh, let the Lord fight our battles. Amen. Um, so we understand that uh, as long as whatever the enemy does here on earth in the physical, uh, we have authority and dominion over. Uh, now, when he begins to do things in the supernatural, that's when we might end up losing the battle if we're not careful. Amen. Like we talked about dreams last night. That's why the enemy works when you sleep because you're the most vulnerable. But we also talked about how, uh, how God has given angels charge over us. And how he has created the invisible and the visible to work together uh, so we can sleep easy because we know we have angels watching over us. Am I making sense? Yeah. All right. And we have the ability to make the sin angels to do our bidding. Amen? All right. So we left off last night uh, dealing with uh, Satan and upon the earth. And God had already created Adam and blessed and anointed him and blessed him and uh, gave him dominion. So we have to understand what happened was is that the enemy uh, was able to... Uh, take uh, the uh, dominion and authority away from Adam by tricking him, by tricking him through uh, Eve. And what he did was he reversed the order. We understand that God is a God of order, so anything that is out of order is not of God. Amen. Any relationship you in, any type of uh, uh, job-related issue, or any type of uh, marital issue, any type of issue in a church that, is, that causes confusion is not of God. Amen. So, so we have to understand now the enemy is all about confusion. His job is to confuse you. His job is to reverse the order that God set in order to trip us up because we can see things in order. 
Amen. We're, we're trained to see things in order of view. Think about it as children. We're trained to, to know the alphabet, but then when the alphabet starts getting in order, we, we learn it in a certain order, and then when it's in other orders, there are words. But if we had words, we had alphabet letters, we had, had letters scattered all over the place, we wouldn't be able to see what it was trying to say until they got into a particular order. So the enemy always tries to make things so distorted so he can mess us up so we can't understand what's going on and be tricked. Amen? So we have to understand now uh, that, that when he did that, that um, Adam relinquished the authority that God gave Adam. And he gave it to back, back into the hands of the enemy because the enemy already had a kingdom set up upon the earth. We talked a little bit about that last night. And, uh, you know, then God took it back um, and gave it to Adam. But Adam gave it back because of sin. All right, so now we have to understand now that the Bible calls Satan the ruler of this world. Notice he didn't call him the ruler of the earth. There's a difference between world and earth. He is the God. He is the ruler of this world, but the earth belongs to the Lord. Amen. So that means that even his power in the world is limited because everybody in the world is under the power of God. Am I making sense in here? So what, he, what happened was the kingdom was lost. The kingdom was lost. Adam lost the kingdom. He lost the authority. So all throughout the Bible, we see God trying to reestablish the kingdom mindset. He did it through prophets. He did it through judges. He tried to do it through kings. Uh, he tried to do it so many different ways, but it just, it just wouldn't work. Amen. It seemed like the enemy will always try to come in and weaken the people of God. And then it sounds like we started, it seemed like we were starting from ground one again. So we have to understand that the enemy was setting up a kingdom. But let me make you understand this one thing that every demonic strategy or cycle or kingdom or device that the enemy has set up, there is a kingdom model that is supposed to replace that. There is a kingdom model that replaces every demonic model and strategy that the enemy has set in motion. Amen. So everything that the enemy has set in motion, I don't care what you're bound by, there is an, a kingdom model that is going to or supposed to replace, amen, that, that strategy or that kingdom uh, that comes from Satan. Am I making sense in here? All right, so, so we have to understand that whatever the enemy, that's why the Bible says uh, that when a, a, a demon is cast out of a person, uh, and the Bible says if you don't feel it, feel the body, feel that temp, refill that body, that is coming back seven strong. Amen. Because there's always supposed to be a replacement. Your life, there's a replacement in your life. Okay, you don't do drugs anymore, but there ought to be some reading going on. There ought to be some worshiping going on. There ought to be some prayer going on. You can't just say I'm free from something and don't fill yourself with a kingdom model. Because if you don't, the enemy will come back in one moment. You will smoke and the next minute you're doing crack. And you wonder, well, how in God's name did that happen? One minute you're fornicating before you know you sleep with somebody else's spouse. And like, oh, how did that happen? Because you didn't fill your temple after, the, after God swept it out. And that is our job. Our job is to find apostolic authority that can recognize and teach us the kingdom, uh, the kingdom models. Amen. The dimensions. Amen. The climates. And we're going to get into all that uh, tomorrow uh, more so. Uh, climates and, and, and atmospheres. Because we have to understand that, that the enemy created a certain atmosphere upon the earth. And you know, it, it's church lingo to say we're going to change the atmosphere, but you know, if we ask somebody what atmosphere it was or is, anybody going to be able to answer it. So, you know, and change the atmosphere is not changing from praise to worship because, you know, when you change the atmosphere, your city changes. When you change the atmosphere, your church changes. 
your, your house changes. Am I making sense? So we're about changing atmospheres the kingdom way so that we can see results. Amen. Because after you finish crying and get up and I ain't nothing wrong with that, you got to live a life. Amen. And, if you, and, and, and many of us can attest that after we got up off the floor and stopped speaking in tongues, we went right on back to that hellish situation. Because we refuse to fill ourselves with a kingdom model. Am I talking to anybody in this room? All right. So, so, so now we have to understand that uh, there are four kingdoms on this earth uh, that mankind is a part of. All right. Now we're going to just going to talk briefly about this, the kingdom of God, which is found in Matthew 6. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added. We have the kingdom of Satan. Let's go to Matthew 12. Matthew 12. Hallelujah. Matthew 12, 25, 26. Y'all there? All right, I'm going to read it here. 25 and 26. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he, divide, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? So that means that, king, that, that Satan has a kingdom, and check this out, and it is standing. And it's not divided. Oh, y'all missed that. It is not, the, it is a standing kingdom. Satan has a kingdom that is standing and is not divided. It is, it is a military that is well put together. Amen. That's why the body of Christ can't be divided. Amen. We go into places and there's nothing but division. You know, I don't like that type of music. The music too loud. I don't like this person. I don't like, I don't like what she got on. I don't like what he did. There's always divisions. But Satan has a kingdom and there's no arguing going on. But yet his job is to divide. Y'all missed that. He's not divided. It's the standing. So Jesus asked a hypothetical question. He said, well, how, how can Satan's kingdom stand if it's divided? Because they were saying Beelzebub causes out Beelzebub. They were trying to say that Jesus was of a devil. And Jesus was saying, well, if I was of the devil, how can I cast the devil out? Because Satan's kingdom is not divided. Amen? There is the kingdom of this world, Matthew 4, 8. The kingdoms of this world. The Bible says here, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, again, the devil taketh him up into exceedingly high mountain and says what? And showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. So there's the kingdoms of the world, and there is the kingdom of men. Daniel 4. Daniel chapter 4, 17. Y'all with me? It says here, this matter is by decree of the watchers and the demand by the words of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and give it to whomever he will and set it up 
over it, the basket of men. So we're going to kind of deal with today the kingdom of men. Now the kingdom of men, the Bible says that God is still over. Amen. I, I know, you know, our, our feathers are in a bunch because of what the president has done, but guess what? God's over that. The Bible says that. that he puts an office. You think it's the voting. You, you think it's Republican, Democrat, ain't got nothing to do with that. God says, I'm the one that puts the people where I want them to be. He, you, even the most, even the worst leaders that we can think of, God has used them for his purpose. Amen. Amen. So we understand that God is involved in the kingdoms of men. So wherever God is, there is the kingdom of God. I'm going to make a sense in here. And, so, and God's ultimate plan is that God's kingdom replace every one of these kingdoms that are on the earth. That's why Christ said to pray once again, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, so now we have to understand that, that, now that Adam, yes, Adam lost, uh, lost the kingdom. God said something to Eve. He said uh, that there was going to be some vengeance after he gave her the consequence. He said there's going to be some vengeance. He says that your seed shall step on the serpent's or crush the serpent's head. And that was a promise of, of revenge, that the enemy wasn't going to be able to get away with what he did. Some of y'all should have been shouting off of that. The enemy is not going to get away with the things that he has done in your life. Amen. Come on here, somebody. The enemy, now let's be honest, the enemy has pulled some strains and made us embarrassed in some certain situations. He, he has put guilt and shame on us. He has made us think that we, we are going to never mount to anything. And he's not going to get away with it. Because the Bible says that there is a seed that's coming. Hallelujah. And it was going to stamp, it was going to crush the devil's head. Now, you, now, all throughout the Bible, when Eve was having her children, I'm, I'm sure in her mind that she thought that, that you know, that, uh, that, that her kids, that every child that she has was going to be that, that, that seed. She thought that it was going to be that seed. But God had something intended 4,000 years later. It took 4,000 years for the promised seed, which was Jesus Christ, to show up upon the earth. 4,000 years. Somebody shout, God has a strategy. You can never count God out because it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Because God has a strategy. And my God, if you die in something, this is how great God is. If you die in something, God will revenge you or avenge you 4,000 years later. I ain't going to talk to me in this room. He said, I'm not letting him get away with what he did to David. I'm not letting him get away with what he did to Solomon. I'm not letting him get away with what he tried to do to Abraham and what he did to Noah. He says, I got something that's coming. That's why I'm not losing my cool. That's why I'm not worried about nothing. That's why I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sweating about anything. I'm, I'm resting easy because I know that I have a, a seed that's coming. He knew there was a seed coming 4,000 years later. And so some of us might pose the question, what took Jesus, so long. Why did he have to come through 40 and two generations? Why, why was it? Why, what took him so long getting here? Why did God allow his people to go through such stress and such, uh, uh, you know, str uh, uh, strenuous living and, and always falling and getting back up and falling and getting back up? Because it was the process of time, the fullness of time. God was waiting for the right time and opportunity 
to, for Jesus Christ to come. Because if Jesus Christ would have came too early, no one would have understood his message. He had a message, and we're going to get into that. And his message is not what a lot of people say it is. It wasn't the cross. Amen. It wasn't baptism. Amen. It wasn't tongue speaking. He, but he had a message. And it took him 4,000 years to get here. And he only preached the message for three years. But yet, those three years were, were so, so, so profitable that there hasn't been a man on the earth yet that has done the work that he's done in a matter of three years. All right, so you have to understand, Jesus came in the fullness of time uh, because everything was set in the right setting. Now, I want you to understand something. Uh, Israel, after God formed his people through Abraham and uh, through Abraham's seed, uh, Israel was formed. That was the people that he wanted. And Israel, because of sin, kept falling into exile. They kept falling, and he allowed enemies to come and take them over and what these people would do is that they would actually uh, they would literally go to their place go to their homes rip them out of their homes and take them back to their foreign countries and then destroy their houses destroy their businesses and destroy whatever um, you know temples that they had any place where they worship God they would destroy everything amen and God allowed them to go through all of that until it was time for Rome to rule them. I want to show you something here. When Rome came, when Rome took over and, and, and they didn't exile Israel, they did something different than any other kingdom or nation did. What they did was they colonized Israel. So what they did was, is instead of taking them away from their homeland and sending them to their place, they, and they um, intruded, sent armies into Israel, and made them become Romans. They, they, had, they had a different method. They, they weren't like Babylon. They weren't like Assyria. They had a different method. They didn't snatch the people out of home and take them back. They went there and set shop up there. They set their worship stations up there. They set their soldiers up there. And what they use, they use what um, the Bible says uh, is a governor to rule the people. So Caesar, which is another name for Lord, used a governor to live, you know, or uh, somewhat as an ambassador to live in Israel to bring Rome to Israel. Amen. So they changed any, any place that Rome conquered or invaded, they changed the culture of that land to Rome. Amen. And God decided to send Jesus at this time because this was the kingdom that looked like the kingdom of God. Isn't that the same thing that Christ wants the kingdom of God to do? That we are ambassadors. We are sent from another place. We are sent down here to colonize and make disciples. And so, so God said, I couldn't send them until a replica of my kingdom came to earth. Amen. So he allowed, he allowed Rome to come. He allowed Rome to come and, and do that. And he said that, it, he said, because I wanted to look like, he said, I wanted, I wanted to be a replica. I wanted to look like my kingdom so the people will understand the kingdom language when it comes. The people now, at this time, when Christ showed up, they understand colonization. They were sick of Rome. Rome had came in and caused their, their priests and caused all their, uh, their, their, their leaders to become corrupt. 
The, the, the people of God were so disgusted because they, they, they came and made mockery of the king of their um, the temples. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, I think it was Herod that built up a, 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 a great, great big temple uh, there in Jerusalem. And, and, and there was a lot going on and the people of God were discouraged. The people of God were discouraged. And, and, so, um, and, and so, like I said, because every other place would come and they would kill the strong men. They would kill, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, everything and leave the women and the children and then make them turn into, you know, to their culture. But Rome didn't do that. They went in and took the strong men and they trained them to become Romans. The Bible says, Christ said, if you're going to bind a strong man, you have to first go into his house. Hallelujah. And that's the same mindset. God wants us to go to the strong man's home and bind him. And then we can plunder his goods. Am I making sense? And his goods are pretty much the stuff that we gave him or he stole. Amen. Amen. So, so then we can get our stuff back. But we have to go back. We have to do what Rome does. We have to go back into the place and we have to colonize. God has called us to colonize this earth. Hallelujah. So now what happens is when, when John the Baptist begins to preach the uh, gospel, begins to preach the word, now it has been silenced from heaven uh, for about, somebody help me, uh, scholars. It was silenced in heaven for about what? 400? 40. 400, right. For us, it was silenced. Heaven was shut up for 400 years. Was for 400 years they didn't hear not a pro prophetic word, nothing, and then all of a sudden John the Baptist shows up on the scene and he preaches, uh, uh, he preaches uh, something that no one has heard before. He said, "Repent, for the kingdom is here." And the people understood what he was saying. Because like I said last night, they left their homes, they left the place uh, where their, their food was, where shade was, and they went to this desert wilderness to hear this crazy man preach, that ate locusts and honey preach one sermon, the same one every time. You know how we get, oh, I can't wait, I can't wait to see what pastor going to preach today. I can't. This man preached the same message, you knew what he was going to preach. And, they, and yet, but yet they kept coming and they, became, they began to get baptized and he preached, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Hallelujah. Now I want you to understand something that John the Baptist wasn't a Baptist. Of course y'all knew that. But he was a baptizer. Now I want you to understand something that, you know, we take baptism a little bit differently uh, than how it was originally given. When someone was baptized, it just meant that you were submitting to what this person was teaching. You know, John was the only one that baptized. You know, the Herodians baptized. You know, Aristotle had followers. He baptized them. So whenever somebody was teaching something that you submitted to, you would be baptized by them. Am I making sense? So when Jesus shows up, he hears the message that he has to preach. Now listen to this. And submits unto the message that John the Baptist was preaching. Now we see that in scripture. Well, how do we see that in scripture? Because when Jesus showed up on the scene, John recognized him and he said, I'm not even worthy to lace your sandals. And Jesus said, well, baptize me. John said, no, I can't baptize you. Jesus insisted because Jesus had not yet preached a sermon out yet. He hadn't preached. He'd been silent since he was 12. There's no record of Jesus preaching anywhere. He didn't have a message yet, but he submitted himself unto John the Baptist. Y'all missing this. And so what we have to understand is that whatever titles and positions we're in, if Jesus can submit himself to some man, 
Oh, God. If, G if God himself, God in the flesh, can submit himself to a man's message, we have to do the same. Jesus was, did not go out and preach as a renegade. He already submitted himself to something. So after he got baptized, went to the wilderness, he came out, and guess what he preached? Repent! For the kingdom of God is at hand. The same message. Let's go to that. The same message, Matthew, Matthew 4. The same message John the Baptist preached. Matthew 4, 17. Hallelujah. The same message John, John the Baptist preached. Jesus came and he preached that. He said, for the time Jesus began to preach. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The same message John preached. Why? Because it was time for the kingdom of God to take place on the earth. Now, we're going to get to a little bit of this in a second, but just follow me. It, it was time. It was time after, after Israel had gone through exile after exile, God was ready God was ready because of the, because of the Romans. See how God can use anybody? <laughs> because of the Romans and their model. So the people were ready to receive the gospel of the kingdom. They understood what a kingdom was. So he preaches. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's go to the uh, same chapter, 23, verse 23. What did the Bible say? And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease, disease among the people. He went into the synagogues not preaching his own gospel. But he submit, preaching to the gospel that he already submitted himself to. Oh my God. That's why Paul, listen, this is all, uh, it all ties in. Paul talks to the church of um, Philippi, might have been. Philippi or Ephesus, one or the other. And he says, my desire is that you all say the same thing. He said, he said, all you speak the same. There would be no division among you. And, and we see this being acted out in Jesus' life. That he didn't preach his own message. He preached the message that was in the land that was given to him by the prophet. Hallelujah. So he says, he says here in verse 4.23, he went about teaching in the synagogues the message, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing. All manner of sicknesses and disease. Because every time you preach the kingdom, manifestations of healing and miracles are going to show up. This is why it's so implicative that we preach the gospel of the kingdom because I'm tired of going to funerals. And, and, and this one gets stricken with cancer and they die. And this one and they die. It seems like we're going back to Genesis and they died and they died and they died. But how many people know that we got power to heal? When the message of the kingdom is preached, there's an anointing that comes upon the house. You're not going to talk to me in here. There's an anointing that comes that falls on the people of God. And the Bible says that they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You do not see Jesus preaching the kingdom and nothing ever happening. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. It's foolish that we preach week after week and we don't see any changes. That's the devil. We need to change the message. When we preach the kingdom, people have to change. Because our bodies that belong to God, especially the elect, they respond to God's word. 
Oh, you ain't going to talk to me in this room. They, they, they respond to God's word. When God speaks a word over your life, your body begins to respond to it. You're not going to. That's why there's so much turmoil sometimes because your mind wants to do one thing, but yet your body's pulling you another way. And you feel, you feel like Paul. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. I have this body of sin tied to me. But we have to understand, he said, but I with the mind of Christ do serve the law. So we have to understand that there is, there's victory, there's healing in this message of the kingdom. There, 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 there's miracles. We haven't seen nothing yet. My God. All right, Luke 4. says and he said to them I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also for therefore am I sent some translations say for this is the reason that I have come notice he didn't say I come to die on the cross now, I'm not saying he didn't come to do that but, but I, I want you to understand something that he didn't go around preaching that he was dying he, he didn't go around preaching crucifixion because he understood that crucifixion wasn't going to mean anything if they didn't receive the gospel of the kingdom. That's not the most important part, even though we've made it the most important part. Yes, he died on Calvary. Yes, he died on the cross. Yes, we are free. But if you don't receive the message of the kingdom, what Christ did becomes null and void. He said, I was sent to preach the kingdom. That's what he said. I was sent to preach the kingdom. Not born again. That was one conversation he had with a man late at night. And after that, he let it go. And he only answered the question because the man asked him. Amen. But he went, he, he, see, that's one thing about Jesus. He was so mission-oriented that he never got off focus. You, you know, because some people come to come people come to you and want you to do this, want you to preach that, want you to talk about this, want you to talk about that. But but you gotta be, you gotta stay focused, preachers, on the message that God gives. And sometimes when it's a certain season, the folks don't want to see that message. Don't mean you stop preaching it. Come here, somebody. So we have to understand now. We have to be so mission oriented that we're preaching what God says, no matter what. Luke nine. Luke 9, verse 11. Thank you, Lord. And the people, when they knew it, followed him, and he received them, and spake unto them of the kingdom of God, and healed them that needed healing. Once again, Jesus preaching the kingdom. He gave one of his greatest sermons was the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom he says those that are poor in spirit that means those that are spiritually poor theirs is the kingdom you can't win a muslim over preaching you need to be baptized in the holy ghost you can't win a jehovah's witness over talking about something you know he died for you on calvary you know they won't receive it but when you begin to speak about the kingdom of god Oh, come on here, somebody. That, that has not been tainted by denomination and has not been tainted by religious thought. And when you preach the kingdom of God, it'll change. 
I'm making sense to somebody in this room. I'll give you this quick story. The, the apostle of this house, uh, Apostle Hutchinson, was telling me the story one time that, that his, uh, a friend of his called him while he was going over the bridge in Philly. He just happened to be in Philly and said, hey, look, you know, come over to my house or whatever. I got some friends, I got some family over. They're all Islam. So he goes over there now. Those that know, uh, Bishop Hutchinson is white. You know, so him and his wife go over there to this place in Philadelphia. They're the only white folks in there. Amen. And, and, and so they ready for him. Because they told him that this man was coming and he was going to talk to him about Jesus. And so, so they ready for him. And so what he said to him, he says, let's put down my Christian in your Muslim and let's talk about the kingdom. And everybody in that house, he said, got converted. That is how powerful the message of the kingdom of God is. Did I say it last night? That if you just put it in the earth, it will do the work. You ain't got to do nothing. Just plant the message. Amen. Amen. That's how, you know, because of Adam's curse, we're used to laboring and toiling for everything. But not when it comes down to the kingdom of the, me the, the message of the kingdom. There's no work and toil involved in that. Just preach it. My God. And believe it. Amen. Uh, Luke 16, 16. Amen. Y'all there? 16, 16, it says, the law and the prophets were until John, since that time the kingdom of God is preached, and every man presses into it. He says the law and the prophets were preached up until John. Up until John, the law and prophets were preached, but Jesus said it's time for a new message. Oh. He says the kingdom. And when you preach the kingdom, look at the result. The Bible says men press into it. That, that, that means that, that, means that they're, 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 they're stomping, they're, they're crawling over one another to get to this message. Hallelujah. So, so now, so now, you, now, so now here, here is, the, um, here is the, uh, the irony of this whole thing is that Israel was prepared for the Messiah and the kingdom, but yet rejected him when he came. How many times have we said we're ready for Jesus? Oh, come on. I'm ready now. I'm ready. I'm going to get my life. I'm going to get my life. And we go right on back. When Jesus shows up, we reject him. Now, I want to show you something here. The reason why they rejected him is because Jesus didn't fit into their box. Because they had a mindset. What they wanted Jesus to do is they wanted Jesus to come to the earth. They wanted him to bring his host of angels and his army and overthrow Rome. And he didn't do that. Hallelujah. He, they wanted him to come and wipe out prostitutes and wipe out the tax collectors. And those became his best friends. Come on here, somebody. He, they, they're ready for him to come. Set to, you know how we want when Jesus gets you. You know how we do. Oh, the Lord going to get him. I ain't worrying about the Lord going to get him. I always say that God said, I'll turn your enemy into your stepping stool, your footstool. You know, and we always say that, we, and I think that normally when we say that, we get all excited because we think about stepping on somebody. But we have to understand that what God is saying is that I'm going to turn your enemy into an assistant. Because a stepping stool helps you reach things that you can't reach by yourself. It's not the fact that you step on them, it's the fact that they elevate you. Y'all just missed that in here. And anything you know about an enemy, an enemy is not trying to assist you to get to nowhere. 
And God said, I'll change it around. My God. So, 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 now, so now we have to understand that, they, that, he, that, that, that he didn't preach. He didn't do what they wanted him to do. That's why John the Baptist was upset with him. John's sitting up in jail. He told his disciples, follow this man. They came back bringing reports that he's eating with tax collectors, that he's doing this, he's doing that. And, and, and he's not as mean probably as John was. You know, John got up and locked up because he wanted to go tell Herod that he's sleeping with his, uh, his brother's sister. Amen. He deviated from the message. <laughs> Amen. He deviated from the message. Ended up getting locked up in prison. And so now he's mad at Jesus because Jesus ain't doing what he did. So he, he sends the, the, his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? Or shall we look for another? Now, now isn't this funny? Because John the Baptist just baptized the man recognized them. In fact, they had a relationship before they even came out their mother's womb because the Bible says when the two cousins got together that John leaped in the womb. So there was always a connection. But when Jesus didn't do what he wanted him to do, he doubted them. And, the, and that's what happened with the Jews. They began to doubt that Jesus was who he was because he didn't do what they wanted him to do. We have to be very careful about that. Because even when God doesn't do what he wants, what we want him to do, he's still God. He's still got to be worshipped. He's still got to be praised. I like the Hebrew boys. They said, even if he doesn't deliver us. Not saying that he won't. I believe that he will. I'm not saying he doesn't have the power to. But even if we die in this furnace, I still ain't bowing to you. And some of us need to let the enemy know, I don't care if God don't show up in my situation the way I want him to. I don't care if I don't end up with the person I wanted to end up with. I don't care if I don't work the job I wanted to work. The, I wanted to work. I don't care if my ministry don't go where I wanted to go. I'm still serving God. I'm not bowing down to no enemy. I'm not bowing down to no king. I'm not bowing down to no, no devil. That I'm standing on God's word that even if he don't bring me out. Hallelujah. So, so he didn't do what he wanted them to do. And, and because of that, they doubted him. They doubted him, uh, but now I want you to see, show you how compassionate and loving uh, that Jesus was because the Bible says that, that Jesus was on a mission. Uh, and, and he told him one time, he says, look, I've, I've been sent to the lost sheep, the lost sheep of Israel. But see, what happened was, see, the Israel, the children of Israel, the Jews had one thing in mind, but God had a total another thing in mind, something totally different. He had something that wasn't foreign because if they looked into the, the, uh, the prophecies of Isaiah, they would, they would see some things. But, but, but because of, uh, there was a dark, such a dark cloud of ignorance upon them, I mean, because of sin, that they couldn't see this, that God was actually trying to work something far greater that Paul calls a mystery that, that, was, that was given to him. Hallelujah. And so let's go now to John chapter 4. Let's see this thing unravel and then, then we'll be done. John chapter 4 here, Jesus meets a woman, the Bible says a Samarian woman at the well. The Bible says here, chapter 4 verse 1, we'll start there, it says, When therefore the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. He made and baptized, now listen, Jesus didn't baptize. He made more disciples than John because they, more people submitted to his message. And John had a lot of people submit to him. But Jesus had even more. He said he had even more submit to his message. Uh, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs, he said, I must. Somebody shout, I must. 
that Je say Jesus must go to Samaria for me. Then verse 5 says, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called uh, Sychar, near the parcel of the ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, I want you to understand, he came to Samaria. Jews hated Samaritans. All right, so they hated Samaritans because Samaritans were an offspring of Jews uh, that intermingled with some Babylonians. And, and, and so they began to worship foreign gods. They ended up building their own temple in Samaria. And, 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 they, and they thought that they had a monopoly on worship. There was a discrepancy on where God should be worshipped. So the Samaritans thought they knew the place and, and, and the Jews thought they knew the place. Sound like, sound like us, don't it? <laughs> yeah, we need to worship on Sunday. No, we got to worship on Saturday. No, we got to worship this day. We got to worship here. Sounds just like us now. And so there became a hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. Now, I want you to understand here that Samaritans were, that this lady met Jesus at Jacob's well. All right. Now I want you to understand something here that there are um, a seven manifestations of water in the Bible. All right. There's mist, there's dew, there's rain, there's rivers, there's seas, salt water sea, and, uh, and fresh water sea. That's two different kinds of revelations. And there's water of firmament, firmament above and beneath the earth, and there's wells. And anytime we see wells, God is speaking about generation. So, so we, let's, let's get this thing set up here. And it was the 12th, it was, the Bible says the 6th hour. Um, it was the 6th hour, which means 12 noon. And this was, is the time where people rested and, and focused on the goodness of God. So now here's the irony of it, that while everybody else was rest, resting, here's this Samaritan woman going to the well at the hottest part of the day. But Jesus said, I need to go there. He, amen. He knew that she was going to be there. So now, he, he, now, so now we got this thing all set up. Now the Bible says here in verse uh, 6, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour. Verse 7, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. She says, for his, the Bible says, for his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. Verse 9, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritan. Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God in who it is that saith unto thee, give me the drink, thou would have asked, have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Uh, he, he says, now, if you only knew who I was, you will realize that I wasn't asking you for something to drink because I was thirsty. I was trying to show you what you needed. See, when God asks you for something, it's not because he needs it. He's trying to show you what you're lacking. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me. When God tells you to sow money, it's because you're lacking in an area. When God tells you to pray more, because you're lacking in an area. When he tells you to worship more, come to church more, come to Bible study more, it's because you're lacking, not because he needs something, because he's trying to bring a quality of life, a better quality of life to you. And, and he tells her, he said, if you knew who I was, he says, you would be asking me for water. The woman said unto him, Sir, I, thou hast nothing to draw with. Look at all these excuses. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou the living water? She wants to know. She said, Wait, I ain't got nothing to draw with, but what you talking about? 
That's what she's saying. She said, I, ain't, I don't have anything to do to what you want me to do, but, but what, are you, what where's this water you talking about? And, thou, and art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well and drank thereof, thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But he says, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, I sh shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So we have to understand, every time we see anything about water, it's talking about the spirit. That's why the Bible says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of water. Water is another dimension in God. And what, what God was telling this woman, we'll get into more dimensions next uh, on tomorrow, but what God was telling this woman is that I'm trying to take you to another dimension in me. So that you will stop coming out here dipping into this well. Stop coming and trying to get just a little bit to survive. And he says, I'm trying to make you a source. I'm trying to put the very thing you need inside of you. Oh, God. So you don't have to be dependent on this well. You don't have to be dependent on anybody else. God says, I'm trying to make you a source so that people can draw some stuff out of you. The woman said unto him, sir, give me this water. Of course you want it now. That I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto her, go call thy husband. He changed the whole conversation around. He said, if you want this, go get your husband. Now, now, we, now we're going to get into this now. He said, and cometh hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that says thou truly. Now, I don't want us to get caught up in the, on the adultery aspect and we forget what God is really saying. What he's telling this woman is he knows this woman has an issue. He knows that, number one, no one can enjoy the full benefits of God if they're not yet free. Amen? So, so, so it's not that he didn't want to give her this water. He said, well, let's just work on some things first. Let's get some things straight. It ain't going to take me all day. Oh, amen. It ain't going to take me years to do. Amen? If you submit, I'll do it now. Somebody shout now. Yeah. All right, so, so, so now, so now he, he's he wants this woman to get her husband. Now, the Bible says that she said, I got five, I had five husbands. Christ said, you have five husbands, and the one you're with now is not your husband. That's six men. Now, a husband, you have to understand, uh, and when you think about marriage, anytime the Bible, when, when Paul talks about, he talks about it in, in, in Corinthians, about marriage being bondage. Now, I want you to understand, he's talking about a marriage between a believer and a non-believer. And any time a non-believer is yoked with a believer, the believer is always going to be in bondage. Am I making sense in here? So here's what he's saying. So what Paul said was, is that if the non-believer leaves the believer, she, he or she will no longer have to be in bondage to that spouse. Amen. Amen. So, so if they leave, that you no longer have to be in bondage to them. Amen. So, so, so now we have to understand now that he is telling this woman that you are under some kind of bondage. Now let me, let me show you what this woman represents. This woman represents both Gentiles and Jews. Because not only did she have Jew in her, she also had some other foreign nations in her. Am I making sense in here? That's what make up Samaritan. So, so now, not only that, I want to give you, I want you to understand something that, that uh, there were six, there were six uh, um, nations that exiled or ruled over Israel. All right? Egypt, Assyria, Persia, Babylon, Greece, and now Rome. 
And if you read in the book of Daniel in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And when he had this dream, uh, the Bible says that he asked all of his magicians and all that, and, and no one could tell what the dream was. And then they went and got Belshazzar, which was Daniel. He went and got Daniel and said, well, Daniel, can you tell me? And he began to tell him about this big statue that he saw, and one was bronze and, and, and some other metals and, and all that. But then he got to the feet, he got to the legs and the feet, and he said that these were iron. And then he said, and the toes were mixed with iron and clay. And because the toes were mixed with iron and clay, the, the, the statue ended up falling because iron and clay don't mix. Am I making sense in this room? So now we have to understand, iron was representative of Rome. Clay was the church. Don't miss this. So what he's saying is that when the church, because the church was birthed under Rome. And if you look in your history, no one can give you a clear example on why Rome fell. Oh, man. No, no one, no one can, can, can depict, uh, no one can say, well, this one thing happened. They don't, it's like a mystery. A, a few things happened. The reason why Rome fell biblically is because the church was birthed in the time that Rome was over them. And two kingdoms can't live in the same place. Y'all missing this. So what he was telling the woman is that you have been married to Assyria. You have been married to Egypt. He says, he says you have been, have been married to Persia. You have been married to Babylon. You have been married to Greece. But the one you got now is not even your husband because he ain't mixing with you. You ain't going to talk to me in this room. Because out of you, he was, see what Jesus was doing, Jesus met his bride. I know many of us think that Jesus wasn't married, but he was. He met his bride there. That woman was the church. Y'all missing this. That woman was the church and he said, I can't condemn you. I know you ain't living right. He said, but I can't condemn you because actually that's why I came. Oh God. That's why Israel has rejected me because I really, I just came for them. But when I leave here, he said, I'm working a far greater mystery. And that mystery is gathering up everything under one head. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room in here. So, so what we have to understand is that this woman was a replica of the church. And the church is made up of, yes, Jews and Gentiles. Hallelujah. And we have to understand that they all went through about, they went through about six exiles, six people being under, but things be under God that whatever tries to link up to you will break when you're part or under the church. If I talk to anybody in this room, somebody shout it will collapse. It will collapse. It will collapse. Everything that don't mix with the church, when you are under, when you are part of the body of Christ, everything that don't mix will it will crumble. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me in this room. And he, he he wasn't so caught up in the woman's adultery. He was letting her know. He said he was letting her know that I know you've been through some things. I know you've been bound by some people. I know some folks ain't treat you right. I know you've been living in sin, but I've come by here to tell you that I've got something for you. I got some spirit. I got the spirit of God. And when I put that spirit in you, it will cause you to live another life. Oh, my God. Touch your neighbor and say, I feel my power coming now. See, that's the power of the kingdom, baby. The power of the kingdom is when the spirit of God begins to resonate inside of you and causes something on the inside to come out on the outside. He, the, the Jesus said like this. He said, your belly will, will flow. Rivers will flow out of you. Thank you, Jesus. Rivers will flow out of you. And so this woman was so excited that she went back told everybody I found a man she let the people know that's it no she let the people know that, I, that, our, that our salvation is nigh she didn't know who he was in the beginning 
But she left there knowing. Y'all missing this. So she went and evangelized. Because anytime you don't know Christ and then you get to learn him, and then you realize what he has done for you and what he can do for you, you can't help but to go back and tell everybody else. There was a reason why that woman came out at 12 o'clock in, in the noon when nobody else was there because Jesus didn't want any other Samaritan woman but her. No, ain't gonna talk to me here. He didn't want a Samaritan woman that was living, that, was, that had one husband. He didn't want her. He wanted somebody that he knew looked like the church, that looked like the Gentile that was cast out, that wasn't supposed to be part of the promise. That wasn't living right. He said, I want somebody like her. He said, because if I can put the spirit of God in her, y'all ain't going to talk to me. If I can clean you up, then I can put a, then I can finally find a place to rest my head. You're not going to talk to me in this room. He said, if I can clean you up, I can clean anybody up. If I can put the spirit of God inside of you, he said, I can do anything with anybody anytime I want to do it. Hallelujah. Because I still reign in the kingdoms of men. Thank you, Jesus. So lastly, the church, Romans 11, 11, we're in here, did not replace Israel. There's some that believe that. No, the church did not replace Israel. Christ came for Israel. And he knew he was going to be rejected. He knew they wasn't going to receive the message of the kingdom, so he allowed the message of the kingdom to flow to other nations. And Paul, he had an apostle. And I know, I know that um, after Judas killed himself and the disciples felt like it was time for them to pick somebody else. And they go cast lots and get Bartholomew and they thought they found a person. And then you don't hear nothing else about Bartholomew. Because that wasn't who God picked. But God had an apostle, listen to this here, that was just as bad as that Samaritan woman. And he was actually killing those people that believed in Jesus. And, 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 and God one day on the, on the road, Paul was on the road to Damascus. The Bible says Christ himself showed up. Now you know you got something when Christ shows up. I'm talking to you. You know you have something when Jesus shows up in your life. You know you're carrying something when God cleans you up, when God delivers you, when God heals you. You know God didn't do that for naught. He has need of you. I'm talking to somebody in here. You've been dealing with low self-esteem. You think you ain't nothing. You think you have aborted your mission. But I've come by here to tell you that your mission is not aborted. Touch your neighbor and say, it hasn't begun yet. It hasn't begun yet. But my God, I, I, I implore you, the Bible says, I beseech you right now. That whatever area of your life that is not right, that you get it right so that God can manifest his glory inside of you. I stopped by here to tell you now that he came back for Paul or, or he came back for Saul and changed his name to Paul and Paul took this message of the gospel of the kingdom and he transformed it into the message of the church bringing in including Gentiles and he spread Christianity and that's the only reason why we're here today. The only reason because we were not supposed to be a part of the plan. Oh my God. You ask the Jews, we weren't supposed to get this. But somebody shout God had another plan. Somebody look at your name and tell them what God has for me. I, but I'm about to take about five minutes and preach this thing here. But to touch your other name and tell them what God has for me. He is for me. I've come out here to tell you whatever it is that God has for you. Can't no devil in the hell stop it. Can't nobody block it. Can't nobody else steal it. It's got your name on it. 
I talk to somebody in this room in here? You, you don't have to. That's why the prophet tells us to lift our heads up. You don't have to keep putting your head down because you think you're missing out on something. I've stopped by here to tell you you ain't got it yet. Because when God gives you what he promised you, y'all ain't going to talk to me in this room. Your life will totally change. And then you'll be sold out. And then when you come to church, people ain't got to beg you to lift your hands. You'll be so grateful knowing that you wasn't worthy. But yet this grace of God. God, I wasn't worthy of the healing. God, I wasn't worthy of the deliverance. God, I wasn't worthy of this position, but I thank you. My God, I wish 10 people would just take some time out right now and give God some praise. Not because I was good, but because God was great. Hallelujah. Glory be unto God. Because God was better than me than I was blessed to myself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. For that, I've got to give him praise. Come on, some of us in here were just like the woman that was at the well. We was doing our own thing, living our own lives. But thanks be unto God, what I was doing wrong, he found me. He didn't wait until I cleaned myself up. He didn't wait until I stopped doing what I was doing. But the Bible says while I was yet in sin, he commanded his love. Romans 11, 11. Bible says here, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. He's talking about Israel. God forbid, but rather through their salvation is coming to the Gentiles to provoke them to jealousy. God says, my, my, my eternal purpose for the Jews is to save them. Oh, say, listen, listen, this is how good he is. He's not going to let the Jewish people go through all that hell they went through generation after generation and not deliver them finally. You ain't going to talk to me in here. God's not going to continue to allow you to go through what you go through and not bring you out years of frustration, years of things not working out, years of disappointment. Am I talking to anybody in here? Years of disappointment, years of wondering, years of crying, and you think that God doesn't have something better? All I want to know in here is who's ready to go to the next dimension. I ain't talking about levels. I'm talking about dimensions. We get on levels. We start competing. But, I don't get it, but God's got a place. Oh, my God. That's prepared for you. Hallelujah. He's got a place especially for you that can't nobody else get to. It's waiting. Your blessing is waiting on you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Your blessing is waiting on you. He's waiting. God's waiting for you to shift that to that mention. He's waiting for you to take this kingdom authority and work it. He's waiting for you to call upon him. He's waiting for you to believe in him. He's waiting for you to trust him. He's waiting for you to ask of him. He's waiting for you to learn of him. Is there anybody here that's ready to go to the next dimension? Oh, come on. Y'all got to do better than I say. Are you ready to go? Find somebody in your row that's sitting down, act like they ain't ready to go, and tell them, baby, if you know what's good for you, you'll get up and give them praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, give them a shout. Give them a praise. I'm going to another dimension, and every demon that tried to stop me down here won't be able to go with me. I'm leaving depression. I'm leaving guilt. I'm leaving shame. I'm leaving fornication. I'm leaving adultery. I'm leaving drug use, and I'm going higher. Shout yes.
stop by to touch my toe. It's your day. Oh, you ain't gonna talk to me in here. It might not be your season, but my God is your day. Don't miss your day waiting on tomorrow because tomorrow's not promised. But if you got any God left in you, begin to give him a praise for this is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. 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 Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Bless his name. Come on, Zion. Open up your mouth. what you go through dictate how you worship him whom the sun sets free is free indeed devil get away from me because i'm going up to the next dimension i'm going up to the place you prepared he has prepared a place for me a table in the presence of my enemies he anoints my head with oil and my cup Runs over. Somebody shout a yes. 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 Another level of victory. Another dimension of faith. Another dimension of prosperity. Another dimension of health. Another dimension of revelation. In the name of Jesus. I dare you by faith to begin to speak to whoever that thing is that's been blocking you. Get out of my way. Hey, Shondo, the robot shot. Get out of my way. You can't stop me now. Get out of my way. You can't block me now. What the devil meant for evil, God's going to turn it around. Thank you, Jesus. He's going to turn it around. Let there be praise. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let there be praise. I feel something breaking in here now. 
my God, I, I, we were waiting until tomorrow night to do the healing and deliverance, but I feel something breaking in this room right now. I decree and declare whatever you bound with, whatever you've been sick with, whatever you've been messing with, whatever's been trying to kill you, I decree and declare if you speak out your mouth and tell them to leave, it will go! Need a servant, it, it is a eviction notice. You've been in my generation too long. Hey, you've been in my house too long. You've been in my mind too long. You've been in my family too long. You've been in the church too long. Get out of here, devil. In the name of Jesus, you've got to flee. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Jesus said something to the woman. He said, you worship what you know not, what you do not know. Isn't it funny how we can be in service and worship what we have no clue about? We just going through the motions because somebody told us to. But this season in our lives, this dimension God is going, is trying to pull us to, he wants to pull us into a dimension of revelation and knowledge. That we know who we're worshiping. Oh, you ain't gonna talk to me. And it's not my mama's God, it's not the God that was taught through through the, through the methodology of, the, of religion, but it's the Lord thy God in his fullness and his purity. Listen, listen, if you need some things broken off your life, just come up. Just come up. Keep breaking these strongholds today. It won't be long. I'm just going to lay hands on you by this anointing.